This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid coming up here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a massive show coming up. Will Davison to join us in just a tick. What a great year he's been having. Richard Crowell also to join in on that chat and others as well. And hopefully, Braxy at the other end to talk about the last few weeks of motorbikes. All that to come and a big, big prize pack to give away on the racetalk.com. Make sure you get there with thanks to our great friends, out at uh, Truck Assist. They have a, a great competition going at the moment with us, so go and have a look at that. We'll give you more details shortly. Let's kick it off. As we say, g'day to Richard Crowell from theracetalk.com. G'day, Crowley. How are you? I'm fantastic, mate. We've got some great news, as I mentioned just earlier on, in regards to a fantastic competition, which is coming up to its last couple of days. So we look forward to giving you more information about that, folks. Tune in for that. But right now, mate, let's catch up with our special guest today. What a fantastic 2019 it has been for him, as we say g'day to Will Davison. Hello, Will. How are you? Hey, Shemek. Hey, Crowley. How are you guys? We're both fantastic, mate. I think I could speak on behalf of both of us. But probably not as fantastic as you are. What a what a year 2019 has been. I know we spoke about 12 weeks ago towards the start of the season and you were excited about what the season held. I think it's lived up to everything that you thought it might. Yeah, it has been a, it's been a great year. Um, it's, it's nice to have that, I don't know, genuine belief again um, coming into every weekend that, you know, I can be a contender, and um, you know, I've had a I've had a great journey, had many highs and many lows, and uh, you know, I look at the sport for what it is, and don't have any hard luck stories. But you know, I really feel, and I worked pretty hard to, to sort of get this whole opportunity um, as it is at the moment, so I can have another good crack at it. You know, and um, you know, I'm really happy that uh, I'm in the mix, um, but you know, I want more. You know, it's nice to have that pressure on myself again to have to deliver. Um, got quick teammates, I've got a great team and um, yeah, as I said, I've uh, yeah, just, just pushing hard and still expecting a bit more out of myself to be honest but I've still got that hunger and um, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. Cast your mind back to Queensland Raceway, mate, and that, that brilliant Saturday and I think that'll be, the, the scenes at the end of that will be replayed at the end of the year for sure because they're, they're one of the highlights of the season. Um, what, what was the overriding emotion at the end of that day, when you finish second, great result, run at the front all day, legitimate contender for a race win, but, but perhaps more importantly, your first podium since your Bathurst win, and the team's first podium overall is 23 races. What, what was the overriding emotion at the end of that day from both you and the team, I suppose? Well, just, uh, just relief, to be honest. I mean, this, this sport's amazing. Like, you put so much into it. Um, and it's amazing how you go weekend in, weekend out, and you just come home disappointed, and you want another go at it, and you want the opportunity to to get that result, and then you just hope it's not far away. And sure enough, the weekend was going really smoothly. I remember just you know going to the grid for that race, and I was just like, you know, we cannot let this opportunity slip. I've got myself on the second row again, as I'd done in Townsville, as I'd been there in Darwin, and you know we're just like we've got to we've got to nail this. So it was more just relief that we'd executed, stopped, 
um, everything went smoothly, nothing went wrong, and it was right, right. You know, it felt simple. It's like so, so we should be here. You know, but it was just great to give Bill that trophy. Um, yeah, nice for myself. Um, uh, but you know, I've I've had plenty of good results over the years. Um, but it has been a little while, so I was nearly a bit embarrassed, even in with myself. But I was so happy to finish second. You know, because I won a lot over the years, and I used to be back in the day. If I finished second or third, I was just devastated. So um, it's it's amazing that in a short space of time um, that it was. You know, I was so happy with a second. And as soon as I got off the podium, you know, I was happy. I said, I won't be this happy with second next time, guys. You know, this is a little taste of what we can do. And, um, you know, let's, let's get after it. And um, listen, the sport's not getting any easier, as we're seeing. It is so tough at the moment um, to get a genuine podium when the likes of Penske and, and Triple Eight and there's just so much competition out there. So, um you know, uh, it, they're getting bloody hard to get, but um, you know, it's uh, you know that was just a big step, um, big step for us as a, as a group and a team. Well, how do you determine where that difference is between yourself and say a, a Penske and a, a Car Seventeen, the Scott McLaughlin? Is it is it equipment? Is it engineering? Is it team? Is it you? Is it or is it a combination of everything? And if you pick up point one or point two in the whole lot, then all of a sudden. You're there and you're passing them? Yeah, I mean, I try and distance myself from these, you know, these conversations in a way because it's fascinating. You know, the sport is fascinating. And, um, you know, you look at, yeah, you look at some of the results in the moment and you do try and ask yourself why. And I've done that in the past where, you know, I've been really competitive and you don't know why. You've still got a bit of understeer, you've still got a bit of oversteer, but you're just fast. Um, and then you go to another team or a situation and you sort of actually get the same feeling in the car and, and you just may be nowhere. Um, you're trying just as hard and you're in the middle of the pack beating your head against the wall. Uh, but then sometimes you get on these runs and you get on these rolls and, you know, you've just got form, you've got a great car, you've got a great team, great chemistry and things that are happening easy. And obviously we're seeing an extreme example of that at the moment with, with McLaughlin like we saw with, with Wing Cup for many years. Um, but it's not one particular thing. I mean, obviously, they've got a great car. The hardware, mechanical package, the engine, the engineering, it's all there. Um, but, you know, supercars, they're not like Formula One cars. You know, you can't have bulk downforce advantage or horsepower advantage. You know, it really comes down to fine-tuning the car on the day. Um, they've obviously got a very good understanding of their package. Scott's got a very particular way he drives. He knows what he wants from the car. Ludo's incredibly good um, at just milking every little piece out of the tyre and the way the car works to get that you know big lap time out of it. And, you know, you're just seeing um, just the perfect storm at the moment all coming together. I think a million little half percenters. There's not one particular thing. They're just doing a lot of little things and their attention to detail that is obviously um, all adding up to some pretty impressive lap times. And for us, we're getting there. You know, we're we're getting that consistent car where we're going to be consistent top five runners. And you know, that next little bit as a team, we're trying to lock. You know, we're trying to lock that little bit of free lap time. You know, you've got to get a good balance and get within a tenth or two. And then that last tenth, yeah, then we need to really start just finding a hundredth. You know, with our centre of gravity, a hundredth on your horsepower, a hundredth. You know, on whatever else it may be. Um, and you know, and you get to that sort of performance. But we're, we're not far away. 
are you enjoying having teammates again? Because you, you spent two years at Techno, which weren't unsuccessful, but that was a, a single-car team. And then last year, first year with, with Phil and 23 Red, there was an alliance with Tickford, but you ran out of a different workshop. This year, you're embedded you're, you're within that four-car program. Has that been a benefit to you from a driving point of view, first of all? Yeah, I think there's no way um, that it can't be. Uh, but I, I am really enjoying it. Like uh, I say, tongue in cheek, you know. Um, you know, I used to have the uh, you know joke with the four boys as we're all crammed in this A trailer, talking absolute rubbish twenty minutes before qualifying. Um, you know, there's some good banter, and I, you know, plenty of ordinary smells in there as well. But uh, you know, I used to say, guys, I've had three years of a, a truck to myself where I can do what I want. Um, you know, but you get awfully lonely. You know, the, the novelty of that wears off pretty quick when, you know, you sort of just, you feel like you're, you're just on your own down that end of pit lane and you've got no one to talk to and it's very easy to all of a sudden lose that intense level of preparation and analysis between sessions that you have in a team environment. And as long as that team environment's um, harnessed and managed really well, it can be really healthy. It can be uh, the complete opposite as well. If you get egos in play and you get people that aren't working together, it, you know, it can be a bit uncomfortable. But, um, you know, I think I'm, you know, being around the block now, I, I don't have any, uh, you know, any major ego to the young guys and we're all actually just a great group and, um, you know, we're all on the same page. You know, I'm, I don't have time anymore for wasting energy on mind games and, trying to undermine your teammate. I mean, I just it's a complete waste of energy. I try and shut my own visor and milk every bit of performance out of myself I can. But in the meantime, you know, we've got to all work together and then that rubs off to your engineering group. They see us all working together and then they all bounce ideas of each other refreshingly and, and uh, you end up all getting the benefits of it with faster cars and and uh, and I think yeah, as a group, it's been really really enjoyable this year. To be honest, with all the uh, my teammates and all the all the engineering group. Well, you're part of a uh, test day at Winton, uh, not only for uh, for your guys, but also for a couple of other teams as well. A two part question for you: Now that everything's sort of had a bit of a a chance to settle down, the centre of gravity's all been done, the, the stuff to the roof and and the like. How does your car feel heading into the the second half of the season and especially the Enduros. And also there seems to be a quiet confidence out of the Nissan camp from their aero changes. Yesterday I'm wondering whether you saw anything that might uh, suggest that they should be confident about what uh, changes were made to their car. Very, very hard to, to sort of see what anyone else was doing at the test. Um, you know, test day was like Christmas for us yesterday, but you sometimes end the day with more um, questions than answers, but that. That supercars, that testing, you know, we had a very tyre bank, which we won't have that issue next year, but, you know, a lot of question marks over your tyre quality. The track was in good condition. Um, Winton's a very peculiar peculiar place to test, um, quite unique. So you've got to be very mindful of what you're testing and what you're feeling with the, the changes. But we had a really set program. Tickford saved their test day up. We didn't use one a little while back. Um, until we actually had some development items to, to trial yesterday. So it's quite exciting, you know, as a purist, um, you, know, you know, I love racing, but I miss testing. You know, as a young guy growing up, I used to just go testing all the time and practice some driving stuff, uh, you know, throw some wild things at the car with no ramifications. 
So it was just cool to have a day yesterday. We had so much stuff to siphon through um, in the next few days. The engineers do to go through and make sense of any of it. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, just get a slightly, you know, better understanding again of the direction we've been going these past few months with our car. Um, which, you know, we're, we're really happy with the direction we're going. Uh, we've been firmly focused on our mechanical balance because that's all you can control in this category. And that really is what's 99% of importance. Um, yeah, the aero chat's been pretty full on this year, but while everyone's so focused on getting uh, seven or eight hundredths of a second out of downforce, yeah, they're probably not really focusing on the six or seven tenths they can, they can unlock from getting the the tyre pressures and cameras and uh, suspension set right. So, uh, you know, that's what we've been working on. And um, and in terms of Nissan, listen, I think they will be better, just from my brief understanding of what they've shifted on their car and where I think they felt they went um, in the wrong direction last year with their aero balance. Um, you know, I think they've gone more back to how they were last year when, to be honest, they had a really, really fast car. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, them back in a window where, you saw Rick being very competitive at stages of last year. You're eighth in the championship. A uh, couple of sprint rounds to go before 900 points come up in about six weeks across the Enduros from Bathurst through to, to Sandown. Um, you're only 270 odd behind your mate Jamie Winkup, who's fifth. What, what's a realistic goal for you for the end of the season? I mean, top 10's super, but every race driver wants more than where they currently are. So, what have you got penciled in the back of your mind as far as end goal and 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 the next couple of weekends worth of racing as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I want to execute a good season. I want to be consistent all throughout, which we've been doing. Um, as you say, with enduro races coming up, if you can nail three solid enduros, call it three top fives. Obviously, we want to be on podiums as well. But that's going to do the world a good for your, for your championship. So, but it can also destroy your year. So, that's really the focus. It's not really the end position. I'd like to think we could end up in the top six in the points. That's really where I was running um, for a lot of the first part of the year. My form's actually got stronger since um, about three or four rounds ago. But I dumped a lot of points. Um, you know, we were running fifth at Winton, and we had a transaxle. Uh, we had a sort of gearbox issue and a DNF. Uh, then I was actually, you know, second in Darwin and we had to drive through and, you know, we actually dumped a lot of points when I was probably, my performances were at their best. So we've got back on track at QR. So I'd like to think I can really come home strong, um, keep this form i got going on and, and get back to that um, top six in the championship, which I think is really where I think six, seven is about where I deserve to be at the moment. Eight was, you know, I think we're an unlucky eight, not a fortunate eight. You know, we've actually... Yeah thrown away 150, 200 points easy just through some unfortunate little issues lately. Teaming up with your brother in six weeks' time for the Enduros again, always a bit of fun to jump in the car with him? Really excited. Like, uh, you know, this is our fourth chance and, and no doubt this is our best chance uh, with our best opportunity and best package. So I'm, I'm really pumped that I've managed to get him back in the car this year. Um, you know, we had, we had a Bit of a rough trot last year, just for whatever reason, and I nearly took you know responsibility for that. I took um, harder, but just we just didn't have a quick car, a quick package. I put him in four qualifying positions, and I was just gutted for him. You know, he's so professional, Alex. The way he goes about things, he keeps really level-headed at his age now. He tries to just stay calm and do his job, not be a hero, but he he deserves 
a great car and a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, we've got that this year. Um, we're excited to be together. Um, and I just want to do my bit to, to make sure he can he can look good. And I know he wants to do the same for me. And, you know, let's, let's hope that this year we can finally probably get the results that uh, I think we're, we're both capable of together. So um, no, we're pumped. It's a cool opportunity. And hopefully it's not our last. Um, but, you know, we're realistic and we know that we've got to make it work this year. Um, and hopefully we can have a couple more after this year, but we're going to uh, milk, milk these euros, enjoy them, and, uh, you know, see what happens. Last one for me. Will next stop the Ben Motorsport Park next week? Uh, it was a good weekend for you last year. A couple of, I think, from memory, top seven, I think you're seventh in both races. So it was a, a strong track last year. Is that something you can build on? And, just give us a bit of an idea about the challenge of that place because and it cast your mind back 12 months. It was the craziest first practice session anyone's ever seen at a supercar round because guys were firing it off at every corner trying to find the grip level at this brand new racetrack. Um, 12 months on, what's your take on that venue and its role in the championship and, and the weekend coming up next weekend, which is going to be pretty key for a lot of people, I think, going into enduro season. Yeah, re- really open-minded going in into uh, into the bend because, uh, as you say, last year I had I think each end of the spectrum. Like we we went out on the Friday last year and we were at the the worst end of the spectrum. I remember, as you say, that the balance of my car as we rolled out, we were so far from the mark. I couldn't even turn the steering wheel without the thing wanting to go backwards, and that's what a lot of people were finding last year. With that uh, particular surface, um, everyone's saying, a lot of people are saying the outside it must be low grip. It's actually not low grip. It's, it's quite bizarre. It's quite high grip, but the way the surface was, was sort of really lending itself to the front of the car overpowering the rear of the car on entry um, and the corner speed being very high, but just the way that our cars were set up, we, we couldn't utilise the grip. You know, So you'd sort of feel all this grip under traction. You'd have you know, massive uh, grip on, on power, but entry to the corner, we just, no one could get the rear of the car to match the front. Mm. And uh, it was a bit bizarre, and um, we were nowhere Friday. And then we actually turned it around, and uh, by the end of Sunday, my car was brilliant. <laughs> and I was loving the circuit. The balance of the car was unreal. And I left there going, oh, I love this track. Like, this is awesome. So we'll see. I don't really know. I don't really have a form guide going to this year. We've all got a bit more of a clue as to, what the circuit's going to present, um, you know, has it evolved in 12 months, we'll see. But uh, obviously, yeah, knowing I had a, a good, pretty good car there come Sunday last year, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back and and uh, seeing what we got. We're looking forward to it as well, mate. Thanks for your time. We'll really do appreciate it, as always. And, uh, mate, we, uh, we'll catch you at the bend and look forward to seeing how those Enduros can treat you and uh, a big handful of points hopefully coming your way. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Well, Davison joining us here on the grid. And Krause, she was it, it has been a really great year for him, hasn't it, 2019? And and he sounds in, reinvigorated. Yeah, it drives a lot on his emotions, Will Davison, and always always has. And um, you sort of you feel like when you're following Will, when the highs, they're really high, but the lows, they get real low. But it, it's terrific to see him in, in such good good touch and, and in such good form and he's just been a staple now for so long, Shebeck's in this championship yeah. and, and how good he's been I mean he's, he's been full time in it since what, 2005 I think was his first 
season with Dick Johnson Racing, a um, couple of Bathurst victories there, one with the Holden Racing team, one with Techno. So he's a two-time Bathurst champion. He's he's always been a front-runner in the championship, just relentlessly consistent top you know, five or ten finisher. The last couple of years have been challenging, but I think go back three seasons to 2016, and he finished fifth with Techno, one in Tassie, one at Bathurst. They obviously helped, but was really consistent all through it. And I think that's the hallmark of a Will Davison season is just rattling out those fourths and fifths and sixes. And then when a, a result offers its way, he grabs it. Um, so, and, and the other thing that we briefly touched on was, was the reaction to that podium until Monday, who's been, I don't know how many millions he's tipped into the game, Shebex, in the last decade. Um, through sponsorship or with his own team or with LDM or whatever it might be. Um, but it's just great to see a reward for that. And you never get a financial return from motorsport, but there's an emotional return from it, surely, for guys like that. And, and that was one of the great moments as well. So uh, really good to see. And, and I think all four of those ticket cars are going to be factors in the endurance races. You'd be mad to count out a Davison and Davison combination with all the experience they've got. And the other thing that's worth touching on, Shebex, is there's no Bathurst warm-up. We've talked about it on the show before. So all of that experience those two boys in particular have got is going to play them really well because you'd think they'll be able to dial it in just that little bit quicker. They'll be on the money on Thursday and they'll be able to build as the weekend goes on, perhaps just half a percent quicker than everybody else. So that that will be an advantage to them, I'm sure. I reckon it'll be a massive advantage. Uh, I tell you what, everyone will be looking for any sort of advantage they can get to win this fantastic competition that I mentioned at the start of the show, uh, the Truck Assist Prize Pack and the Bend Tickets. This is an absolute ripper with our great sponsors, Truck Assist, who have come on board with the racetalk.com and also on the grid. Tell us all about it, mate, and tell us how people can get their hands on these Bend Tickets. Well, we've, we've made it easy as well because all you need to do is share a Facebook post or retweet a tweet. Like, you don't even have to log in or put your details in or anything like that. So uh, head to the Race Talk's social pages at the Race Talk on Twitter and Facebook. Share the post promoting the competition or retweet the tweet. And it's as simple as that. You'll go into the draw to win one of two prize packs for the OTR Super Sprint. So we've got two three-day general admission tickets. So that's a, a big tick. Yeah. We've got a guided pick tour for two people, and there's two of these prize packs, uh, of the Jack LeBrock Techno Truck Assist Racing Garage. So that's pretty cool, inside yeah. access. A grid walk. Yeah. So you'll be on the grid for 15 minutes before the start of the race. We'll get you out there, and you can wander up and down. You can go and say good day to Jamie before he races or uh, shake the hand of Jack LeBrock before the start of the race, which would be terrific. Uh, two Truck Assist Racing caps, two T-shirts, most importantly for mine, uh, a couple of stubby holders. Can't go wrong with those. Uh, we'll also throw in some the racetalk.com merch as well. We've got some stickers and some magazines that we've run as well. So we'll flick those your way. Um, several hundred dollars worth of prizes, if not more, when you take into account there's two, three-day tickets. And you, you cannot buy pit tours and uh, grid walks, so that's money can't buy stuff. Merchandise, we all know, is outrageously expensive, so you're going to get that thrown in as well. Um, really cool comp. Massive thanks to Truck Assist who, as we've touched on, even before they jumped on board to support the website and the podcast, Shebex, they're great supporters of motor racing. Yeah. And they're helping grow it and bring people to it. So we thank them for that. So head to the Facebook page or the Twitter account 
retweet the tweet or share and like the Facebook post. It is as simple as that. If you do that, you'll go into the draw. When you're in the draw, we'll draw that on Saturday morning. You'll be notified by a direct message. And then uh, we'll set the ball in motion. You can wander along to the OTR Super Sprint at the Ben Motorsport Park on the uh, that great August weekend. It's going to be a ripping weekend of motor racing. Great support category and uh, two pretty key supercar rounds as we just talked about with Will Davison. So get on board. Good comp. No, Good no, comp. Great I think comp. that's what I'm the Fantastic. You can't enter either. No, I, I know that. I understand that. But yeah. that's cool. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy for yeah, someone no, else to no, win no. this time. Uh, a couple yeah. of good stories doing the rounds, and they sort of conflict with a little bit of each other. There's a story going around on speedcafe.com in regards to Russell Ingalls saying that he would like to see the price of admission for a supercars round cut. There's a story going around on the racetalk.com, oh. which is the real cost of running a supercar round. Read that story, folks, because it really dissects everything to do with running around, and, and it shows that there's about a $1.5 million cost to run a supercar round at your racetrack. I'm tipping with that in mind. Tickets aren't going to be cheaper anytime soon. No. No, so it, it's a different scenario, and, and it, it's worth going in depth a little bit about it in that the model we've, we've detailed on the website is based on us, so let's let's say you and I go and buy a racetrack, and we go to supercars and say we want to promote a round. We pay them the sanction fee to rock up, and then we pay for everything else. So this is the model that Winton uses. It's the model that Darwin uses with some government support. It's the model that the Ben Motorsport Park will use in a couple of weeks' time. They're the promoter. They're putting on the show, and the way they get return for their investment is by selling tickets, selling corporate suites, um, selling sponsorships, and things like that. So. The margins are unbelievably slim, and and you don't go and promote one of these rounds to to make money. It's not a massively profitable exercise for the track. What it is is a terrific branding exercise. It's a great marketing exercise, which is different to branding. It's a great way for you to hold the hands of your local constituents, your sponsors, your supporters, potential competitors, whatever it might be, and and really sell the track at its very, very best with lots of people, um, great racing categories, the best drivers in the country in, in the biggest categories. So, yeah, it, it's tough. The fina- financial model is really tough, and we all know that everyone's hurting financially at the moment. So it, it's tougher than it's ever been. So the circuits have to make money somehow. Uh, how they do that, I don't know. Um, and they have to they have to sell tickets to, to get some revenue. So the mm. prices are what they are to make the investment back for what they're spending to put on the weekend. And that, that's just the mathematics of it all, really. Yeah. So but yeah, what, it's tough, Shebeck. It is. Like, it, it's, a, it's a really challenging scenario. And I get where Russell's coming from because, you know, and, and it's the same with football. It's the same with cricket. It, it's getting more and more expensive to go to sport, to take the family out for a day. Um, and something in the end is going to go. People are going to, stop spending money on that because they're spending 20 bucks a month on Netflix or mm. 60 bucks a month on Foxtel. So, um, yeah, it, it's a massive challenge, but I'm not entirely convinced that cutting ticket prices is the absolute key. I think finding a way for a happy medium but adding to the value proposition is probably just as good a way to make it worthwhile people spending their money. So make what they're getting better. So whether that's more supercar racing, less practice, better support program, 
a concert afterwards, something along those lines. I reckon that might be the way to go. It really starts to point the finger at a two-day meet, doesn't it, Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, but but it but it's a lost revenue opportunity for the circuit. So well, if you're promoting the round, you, you want stuff on Friday because if do you're we paying... See, do we see many come through the gate on Friday, though, honestly? Well, I, I think it's meaningful. If you get 5,000 people on a Friday, which is an absolutely yeah. realistic number for a, for a country racetrack, um, you know, 5,000 people times 25 bucks, that's a pretty meaningful addition to the bottom line. So, yeah, I mean, from a sport perspective, it's theoretically cheaper. But what we've seen, like Winton this year was a two-day race meeting, killed the gate on Friday for the circuit because there were no supercars running. But all the supercar teams were there anyway. They were all set up and good to go. TV broadcast on Friday. Um, they spent money on that. The supports were there and running. All the officials were there and running anyway. So the actual cost to the race meeting didn't go down at all. It's just that the main game weren't running at all. So, yeah, fine-tuning that model, I think, is probably probably key to all of this as well and actually taking the, the cost out of the event as well as just out of the teams so they don't run quite so much. Uh, what have you heard, mate, off the, uh, off the back of... Uh a drive day, I think, up at Sydney Motorsport Park for some uh, Queensland teams last week and uh, testing yesterday at Winton. Have we heard much coming uh, out of the ranks? No, look, positive. We, we touched on it with Will, positive signs from Nissan, and, and they spoke very positively in their uh, commentary to the media and, and information they provided as a team as well, which, of course, you're going to do. You're not going to put something negative out. Um, but, but Rick Kelly was very pleased with what they have achieved and the changes made to the balance of, of the Nissan, which is what it's all about. And the, the battle with that team this year has been getting that car into a window. They've really struggled to dial it in. And that's why we've seen them producing their best work on Sundays, but in nowhere early in the weekend, because it's taking them so long to get their car working properly. Um, these changes are designed not to give them a few free tenths of a second, but to make it easier to set the car up so that it's fast. And Will touched on in our chat to him earlier in the show that the cars were quick last year. The Nissans were a pretty good mousetrap for most of the time. And mm. with the way that Andre Heimgartner especially is driving at the moment, you'd think that when they've got a good car and they've got it right, they're going to be pretty competitive. And he proved that at Phillip Island, didn't he? Yes, so, he did very much. Yeah. So that, that's going to be an interesting one for the Bend, which, which won't be an accurate example because it's still such a brand new circuit and, and there's no real form guide there, aside from the fact that last year Triple Eight dominated and the Shell Fords were absolutely nowhere. It was one of their worst rounds of the season. So that's going to be really interesting. But if memory serves, uh, Nissan had a a pretty good weekend at at the Bend last year and they qualified quite well. So um, yeah, that's going to be be a really interesting one. Uh, That's probably the biggest story. The other other thing coming out of Winton this week was Walkinshaw and United testing some of the proposed changes to the technical regs for next year for supercars. So they ran through with Jack Perkins driving. Uh, they ran through the fly-by-wire throttle um, and some of the engine changes that they're hoping can pull some cost and add some longevity to those engines moving forward. So that's going to be a really interesting one as well, just to see how that plays out and, and whether those changes will be implemented next year, as is the expectation. So good to see the sport continuing to work on developing that kind of thing. Um, as for the drive day, not much you can read out of that, um, except that Nick Perkat, there's some good videos going around, 
uh, is pretty good at drifting yeah. and did a couple of laps just on the rack stops with the thing cranked sideways. So uh, very entertaining. Well played, uh, Nick Perkett. I doubt they get much uh, set up information out of that for the next time they race at Sydney Motorsport Park. But, no. uh, Pretty good fun to watch. Yeah, very much so. Hey, a couple of uh, big weeks coming up uh, for national motor racing next weekend, of course. Not this weekend, but the weekend after. We've got uh, the Supercars and Porsche Carrera Cup and the like all heading to the bend for another round there. And then the weekend after that, it's uh, Shannon's Nationals at Winton with TCR again. And interested to see this week the TCR are offering prospective drivers and owners the opportunity to uh, have a bit of a test day at Winton that weekend. Well, this is one of the good things, uh, Shebex, that the category's done. Is they've been very inclusive in getting people into it. And quite often, all you need to do to sell people on a category is to put them in the driver's seat yes. and get them to fall in love with it. And and most of the drivers you and I have spoken to about driving these cars love them. So maybe that's the key. Um, that, that's the sensible marketing. Uh, Gary Rogers Motorsport is going to be doing the same with S5000 a little bit closer to their opening round. So they're going to have five cars at Phillip Island, I think, in two weeks. Um, and prospective drivers and teams can sample that package there before what we hope is the opening round at Sandown at the end of September, which I still think is going to be one of the best race meetings of the year. So get yourself along to that on the traditional Sandown 500 day. So, yeah, really interesting times. Um, but, but good on TCR. Gee, they're, they're proactive, aren't they? They're being really forward thinking and, and they're making every effort they can to build this thing and they're investing in it. It's not a cheap exercise, um, but they're giving this category every chance they possibly can to succeed as quickly as it can. Um, and it's been a really good start to the year. Year two is going to be perhaps even more important because that's where you'll see signs of actual growth rather than stuff that's been funded by the owner. So, yeah, let's, let's see how that plays out. I hope they get plenty of people coming in poking around those cars and, and having a bit of a skid to see what they're like. Yeah, certainly do. And uh, the bend next weekend, mate, all uh, coming along nicely? Yeah, it is. Uh, good reports from the circuit. Place looks a million bucks. It's bright green because we've had heaps of rain in South yeah, Australia. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's going to be good. Hopefully the weather holds. Um, it's been quite wet here for the last couple of fortnights. I mean, SA, in case you hadn't already guessed. Uh, so looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Good program. Really good race program. You mentioned Porsche Pace Carrera Cup. Um, Kumo Super 3 are there as well, Shebex, and that Excellent. is just the, the championship of the season for mine. So competitive with a bunch of young guys and girls doing very, very good things. So uh, I think Radicals there, Group N are on that program and, and a couple of others as well. So very much worth uh, worth a go, and you can get there free if you jump onto the racetalk.com and check out our competition. That's the way to That's do the it. That's the best way to do it, isn't it? Well, without mm. a doubt. Without a doubt. Jump on the racetalk.com, find out all about it. Jump into the socials and uh, just like and share a tweet, and uh, you will go into the running for two tickets to the Bend Motorsport Park next week for the Supercars round, plus also heaps of merchandise and a whole lot of other things, including a grid walk as well on the weekend. Crowley, always great to catch up, mate. We'll uh, look at a big preview of Supercars next week and uh, work out how it's all going to happen. The key weekend, looking forward to it, mate. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big one for the Supercars Championship and uh, Porsche Place Carrera Cup entering a key weekend in their season as well. So we'll touch on that as well. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. Stick around. Braxy's up next. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, joining us on the line to talk everything two wheels is Braxy. Hello, Mark. How are you? 
All right, Tony. How are you? Marvellous, thank you, mate. <laughs> Welcome back from your uh, trip north. Uh, followed you on Facebook. It looked like you had so much fun up there. No, oh, mate, you know what Darwin's like. Good people, good track, good times, good race meeting. Um, doubled up commentating and racing as well and uh, had a ball. Yeah, it was excellent. The uh, Superbike Championship 2 is uh, looking really interesting in 2019. Yep, uh, we're reconvening for the ASDK in a few weeks' time at Witten at the beginning of September. So uh, Mike Jones leading that by one point. And uh, that'll go right to the wire in uh, Eastern Creek in November. So I'm um, looking forward to that one as, as well. Three more rounds to go. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, uh, let's have a look at what happened in the Austrian Grand Prix uh, just uh, last weekend. And Jack Miller pretty much had one hand on the podium, didn't he, until he uh, unfortunately crashed out. Yeah, and I think um, you'd have to well, have a bit of sympathy for the lad too because he'd had a pretty stressful week up until that point to... Um, you know, he was waiting to sign a contract with the uh, Pramac Ducati team and then he gets to Austria and then he finds out that uh, there's been overtures from um, Jorge Lorenzo's management to see if they could grab the ride for next year because of uh, Jorge's wretched year with the Repsol Honda team. But uh, thankfully, that's all been put to bed and uh, looks like Jack will be back with that team again for next year. And that would have been a, a very, well, a travesty of... of um, if he had been let go under those circumstances to let uh, Jorge back in there as well. No offence to Jorge for trying to get a ride and get back to it, but uh, Domenicali, the boss, didn't want him to start with and I couldn't see him taking him back now after what he's been through. So Jack was right in there amongst that. He was having a good look at the leaders there for a while, but just uh, ran it a little bit wide in one of the corners, out into the gravelly bits and tried to turn the bike and unfortunately he went into the... Uh, the kitty litter and uh, another disappointing end to uh, another race for him. But the week before that, he got on the podium again at Bruno. So, yeah. you know, he's doing the right thing. And um, this season, I think, uh, well, it's come alive again after what we saw at Bruno the week before with Mark Kiff. Basically, it looked like he was playing with him, um, with him didn't he? Yeah, he was, no, he uh, did. A couple of laps before and he just took off. But that all changed at Austria with the Red Bull ring on the... Sunday afternoon when Divisioso finally uh, managed to claw a few points back off that, well, it was a 63-point lead that uh, uh, Marquez had going in over Divisioso, but what a race for the ages. And they were racing that close towards the end that actually uh, Marquez's front brake lever came in co- into contact with uh, Divisioso's bike and actually snapped off. So they said it was a close race, but I don't think they reckon it was going to be that close. No, exactly right. And, and Braxioff said... That all throughout 2019, that there's no doubt at the moment MotoGP is the best form of racing in the world, whether it be four wheels or two wheels. It is so exciting. And to see what happened with Divisioso and that dive and taking his opportunity on Marquez on the, the final bend was just amazing. Uh, it was just words and hard to describe it because the lap, the lap before they were swapping places and uh, Marquez looks like he, as they come down a straight side by side, he's had a glance at him like contemptuous to say, what do you think you're doing there, son? I'm going to come back at you. And then the last lap, they swapped the lead, I think, three or four times. Yeah. And it's probably the shortest uh, circuit on the GP or the Moto GP and the Formula One calendar. They were there only a few weeks before, but it's a very, very fast track, very scenic place to um, have a race meeting or a race track. And, uh, Mate, it was just had everything, and they left everybody else standing. Quattararo on the Yamaha, on the satellite, he was third fastest. But um, 
I think uh, one old boy, 40-year-old Ross, he might have uh, shut a few mouths as well because he wasn't far off it as well. And he was he led his teammate home, uh, Binyamish. Uh, he managed fifth position, but there was a lot of other younger guys that couldn't have no answer for him. So maybe uh, Rossi and the Yamaha have turned the corner around after struggling with speed. They certainly had a bit of speed on the weekend, albeit not what that Honda and the uh, Ducati have got, but... Uh, the Ducati's um, still now basically trying to catch up with the speed of the Honda. The Hondas have found something this year. So it's going to be interesting what remains of the uh, the remainder of the year with uh, they reconvene in Silverstone in a couple of weeks' time. Well, one would think that Mark Marquez pretty much has the championship wrapped up. He's, what, 40, 60, 58 points. That's a, that's yeah, a fairly um, handy gap. That's two races. Well, at 25 points for the win, he can basically um, crash out, well, so don't say crash, uh, not finish two races and still manage to be leading the yeah, championship. Because the rest of them are going to, you know, with 58 points, um, the Vicioso has got to win every race and hopefully something goes wrong with uh, Marquette. But the Vicioso is not going to win every other race with the amount of talent we've got in that um, field these days. So they're going to fight amongst themselves and Marquette has just got to go and do his merry way. And um, I like the way he says it now. Um, I'll ride for points. He's riding for points, all right. 25 points, it's cool, when you're going for the win. He doesn't know any other method than to just go out there and do it. And the week before, his Honda bosses were rather upset at him because he, well, he nearly crashed while he was in the lead. But it's hard to tell a guy of that calibre and that mindset to take it easy because these guys only know one thing, and that's to um, go flat out for the entire race. And I feel sorry for the guys when they're being told, you know, just back off and take it easy. But as you know, mate, in any form of motorsport, if you start thinking about points and championships and that when you're out there in the heat of battle, yeah, that's when you tend to make the mistakes and the concentration goes out the window. Yeah, very much so. Remy Gardner, what a fantastic uh, year he's having also in Moto2. Yeah, well, he's come back this year. He's qualified uh, ninth on the grid, got up into that leading bunch, made a meteoric start to get right up to that leading bunch. And unfortunately, when he was, he got to the lead a couple of times, overcooked it going into that first turn, which is a pretty steep uphill turn as you head into it. It's rather deceiving on the television as any racetrack is. Um, he's come under a bit of fuck for the way he carried on afterwards and everything. But, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he was there. He could sniff another podium, his second podium after he's won in Argentina at the uh, second round of the year. And, um, you know, you've got, to, you've got to feel for the guy. He's, he's got the similar attitude to his old man, Wayne Gardner. Wayne Gardner was never backward in coming forward and uh, without showing a bit of emotion. We've seen that when he won the Aussie Grand Prix in 89 and 90. He was crying, basically, in the last laps because he was that happy about winning. And Remy Gardner, you know, it was just, you know, they said, oh, this and that, you know, the social media experts and everything. And yet... If it had been a couple of millimetres another way, he would have been still on track. And Marquette, you know, they're all fighting over a bit of track um, and they're fighting for championships. And I don't think anybody can really criticise him unless you've been in that predicament. And he's going to learn. He probably needs a bit of media training. I might have to get, him, get a hold of him and just say, oh, mate, the television camera's around now because we were talking about with me and a couple of mates back in the 80s and 90s. They were lucky there wasn't social media and uh, no, as many TV cameras as there are now because the wild boys back then, Schwantz, Rainey, Doohan, Gardner and co, uh, they didn't take any prisoners and there were some pretty heavy words said off the bikes after some, some incidences and uh, 
not um, notwithstanding what happened in the paddocks at night when everybody was having a relax, you know. So let me go, Matt, mate. He's not far off, but he's on a good bike this year with that Cadillac frame with the with the team he's with. His um, teammate was uh, on pole position. He was out there until he had a coming together when he was uh, uh, taken out from behind. And these bikes, the Moto2 bikes, are very, very similar in performance. They've all got the Triumph uh, 7.65 triple cylinder engine in them. And it's all on just the fine-tuning of the frames and the suspension. And I think Remy now knows he probably he's had calmed down, obviously, by now. He's had a thought about what's going on. And I'm sure he'll get the Silverstone. And uh, his old man had some good uh, races there at Silverstone back in the 80s too. So I reckon Remy's going to go out there and... Uh, he might have a little bit of fire in the belly. And just a final one for you, Braxy, before we let you go. Johan Zarco and KTM to uh, exit their contract a year early. Might find Johan go to the World Superbikes. Yeah, well, I don't know where Zarco will go. He might find it. It's the pity for him that all the rides are in the MotoGP category are uh, basically signed up for 2020. But, you know, it was um, he knocked back a deal with Repsol to be a uh, test rider for them and then wait for the opportunity to come back. And his management decided to go to the unknown quantity of what KDM was. And he just hasn't gelled with it. And, you know, a guy doesn't lose his talent in a short space of time. He's won the Moto2 Championship two years in a row. So the Frenchman has got, um, you know, a multitude of talent, a big depth of talent. And I feel really sorry for him. He hasn't gelled with that bike whatsoever. He's been trying his hardest, but he's probably got to that stage where the head's playing games with him and he doesn't want to push as hard as he wants to do because he's crashed a fair bit on it. And I feel sorry for him that he's uh, had to come to this agreement and announcement uh, and the realisation that there's not much point going on with the KDM. And that, stuff, that bike is starting to get quicker and quicker. And now that KDM are pulled out of Moto2, and they're also rebranding the Moto 3 concern for their um, stable, the other bike they own, the Husqvarna, which will be in the Moto 3 Championship next year. I think the KDM is not far off the pace. In the wet weather, they do really well. But uh, in saying that, while they improve, everybody else has improved. So they've got to take those extra increments instead of just keeping pace with everybody to get up there. But, you know, it's good to see that we've got another manufacturer that's knocking on the door, as is Suzuki as well, with their bike as well. So I think the championship, we say every year, Tone, that this is the best season ever for racing and action. I think it's just going to um, lift another level in 2020 as well. And that m- more so with all the contracts up. Everybody is out of contract next year. Uh, will Rossi retire at the end of 2020? Who knows? That could open up another door. Um, you know, we're just going to make these young kids that are coming through are just something special to give the old stages a bit of a hand. But, you know, Mark Hith is the one with the benchmark and let's see if anybody can get close to him in the next 18 months. Let's see if they can, Brax. You're always great to catch up, mate. We'll do it after Silverstone in a couple of weeks' time. No worries, mate. Always look forward to it, mate. Look after yourself and uh, keep smiling. Thank you, mate. Always will. Mark Brax joining us here on The Grid. Summer's Eve On a train bound for nowhere I met up with a gambler We were both too tired to sleep Hope you enjoyed so this episode of On The Grid. Don't forget to get onto the racetalk.com. Join in to the Truck Assist competition. couple of tickets, three-day tickets, to the Bend Motorsport Park for supercars next weekend, plus uh, grid walk, all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be a great prize that you could have a chance. All you have to do is jump on the socials, retweet or like a Facebook post or a tweet. Or a tweet, a tweet, a tweet. I'm the tweet. 
and uh, you could be in the running. Thanks for joining us again this week right here on mypodcasthouse.com. We'll catch you again next week for On The Grid.